was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Oh wait, different story, but we'll still see a mouse. Welcome once again, or twice again, to the Advent Calendar House. Last time we covered the Disney direct-to-video special Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, so today we're talking about its CGI sequel from 2004, It's Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. I'm oblivious North Pole workshop supervisor who can't tell the difference between an elf and a duck, Mike Westfall. <laughs> visiting once again from the archive, it's Drew Crowley and John Dedeke. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I'm now rendered fully in three dimensions. You are. <laughs> Uncomfortably. Yes. Yeah. Uncannily. But my background is very spare. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but you I, kind of resemble a Geico commercial, if yeah, I might say so. Right, yeah. <laughs> a 60-minute Geico commercial. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, first time once again for you both watching this? Yes, for me. Yeah. I think I was aware that it existed, but uh, I had moved on from the mall video store <laughs> by the time this one was released. So I had not ever uh, experienced it. Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't even know this one existed. I had moved on, but I was still working part time at a Barnes and Noble in the movie section, so I definitely knew this existed. Man, you guys uh, had the best jobs. <laughs> we both worked at uh, Barnes and Noble. I yeah. did not know that. Yes. Did were you also in music and? No, I was. Okay. I was mostly just uh, <laughs> cash wrap. Yeah, wearing his unwritten law T shirt. Oh, that was Borders. Oh, was that Borders? <laughs> Wait, you worked at both Borders and Barnes and Noble? I did. Yes, I've run the gamut of wow. uh, late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, <laughs> B. Dalton. Brand. B. Dalton. Never B. Dalton. Uh, uh, so close. But I frequented a B. Dalton while I worked at the mall. And then I got to ask Walden Books. <laughs> <laughs> that was even closer. So I saw it a lot. <laughs> so this one was another direct-to-video special with two big differences one this one was direct to dvd not vhs oh and digital every- versatile disc <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and everything is now computer animated so, yeah uh, one of the first appearances of cgi mickey mouse but not the first I no not the first i believe that title goes to Muppet Vision 3D. That's right. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I was correct. Uh, and and also, do you know... Oh, go ahead. Well, Mickey's Maybe. Magic also predates this by a year. And, and that's where we see the first CG Donald. That's right. So In Magic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole uh, um, film really... If there was like one broad observation I would make for it, it it's that... Um, 15 minutes in a theme park theater um, uh, Man, what a <laughs> really dream. does so benefit. Great. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so if if you distill, if you're able to distill what Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas presents <clears throat> to you down into a 15-minute theme park theater experience, it's glorious. And if you don't, it's maybe not so glorious. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty good animation for 2004. Oh, yeah. Um, I will say, like, I, I, when I was watching it, I assumed it had been made later than it had and uh, was kind of uh, being critical of the animation. Um, but I was surprised to find that this is, you know, relatively early for, this is like mid-budget, you know, uh, animation because it's not being released in theaters, but it is uh, not. It's not a TV show either, so it's somewhere in the middle, I would say, budget-wise, uh, for for that kind of animation. I I don't know what I'm talking about at all, but I'm assuming <laughs> <laughs> it looks very like clean and smooth. Um, you know, right. well well done. The quality's there, but it is really it's unsettling to watch or it was for me like just the it seems like there's a a weird pace 
uh, a slowed pace to everybody's movements as you yeah. know they're yeah. trying to render them perfectly <laughs> or something. <laughs> I think, and it's in that um, awkward phase of CG animation where you're sort of the principles of 2D animation are not really being applied to 3D animation. So like characters don't have the weight that they should um, or the elasticity, you know, things are being uh, in some ways too realistic and and you're not being adventurous or playful with, you know, form or with movement or anything like that. And so they do eventually get there, but this is that weird moment in animation history where they're, they're learning the tool more than they're uh, like learning the craft. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, and to that point, even this model used for Mickey and Minnie here is one I've never seen before this or after this. Ugh, it's bad. It's, it's <laughs> like the ne- It's like they tried to do the now old theme park designs for Mickey and Minnie. If you haven't been mm-hmm. to Disney World in the last year or two, guess what? Mickey's got a different face now. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good, too. It does look good. Um, and as, Also, as this technically counts as a movie, right. this is the final movie performance of Alan Young as Scrooge McDuck. Really? Yes. Is it his... It, but is, is not it not his final? His final? He, was, he had been in, like, other shorts... And a few video games, including DuckTales Remastered, and I think one of the Kingdom Hearts. But for oh, feature-length wow. stuff, this is the last we hear mm. uh, of the late Alan Young as anything. Hmm. It's also the last of, um, what's his name? He's doing Mickey, isn't it? Um, Wayne Allwine? I oh, maybe not. I think he didn't, He well, he died before Alan Young did. He died in 2009, so possibly... I feel like I read that. It looks right. Yeah. Hmm. We're going with it. But. Uh, and this time around, we don't have Kelsey Grammer to narrate. This time, it's it's Clive Revel, who was the first actor to play Emperor Palpatine in The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. <laughs> that weird bug eye <laughs> I mean, he's probably best known for his Broadway career, but... Uh, of course. You know, he's, he's That's where I know it Palpatine from. that they traced over... <laughs> Whatever releases it like when I watch Empire Strikes Back, I have that laser disc rip onto a DVD, so I see mm. him in that. <laughs> Good, <laughs> I really like the framing uh narrative of this feature. Um, and I almost wish all of the stories were in the pop up book animation style oh, that, that they did. Nice. They're mm. really good, those are those mm-hmm. are they're really inventive. Like, if you watch. Uh, pay attention to how the pop-up mechanics work of this pop-up book <laughs> that's giving you like setting up the stories and, mm. and finishing them out. Like there's fun little ideas of how they, you know, how this would physically actually exist. Yeah. And they seem to follow those mm. rules of how pop-up yeah. books should work. So Yeah. And the art is really nice mm. on those, especially in contrast to the, <laughs> versions that we spend the most time with the end credits of this look great yeah first we have to wind through five different segments oh, but five not, but not to worry three of them are pretty short including this right. first one bells on ice featuring minnie and daisy fighting over a spotlight in an outdoor ice dancing show i liked this one so did i i think this might be the best of the bunch really yeah, I think so. Okay. There's one other contender. Yeah. For me. For you. Okay. One thing I will say about this segment in favor, like I, I have some issues with it, mostly mm. in just the the <laughs> reduction of Daisy and Minnie to like this caddy um yeah, well. a spat. Yeah. But it it is a different take. Uh it introduces themes that we haven't really seen before in either the previous uh, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas or many other um, holiday Christmas specials. Like this is a sort of a novel concept that they're presenting here. Um, Even though it doesn't, it feels maybe a little bit more just wintry and not exactly Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah. At least kind of original. Yeah. I think I'd like that Minnie has some edge in this one. 
Yes. Right. Minnie rarely, I think, goes beyond just sort of her cutesy, you know, at least back then didn't right. didn't go beyond that character. She has so it's her nice. moments, but you don't see them very often. Right. And so it's nice that she had some competitiveness here and, and we didn't we kind of see the rough edges of many. But they can fight all they want. The real stars of this show for me are the dancing hippos and crocodiles from Fantasia. Yeah, absolutely. The dance of the hours. Yeah, and they they do. I think of so of the five um, stories in this anthology, mm-hmm. this one, in my opinion, is animated the best. Um, whereas you, I think they do manage to get like the weight and the the speed right of like the hippos and the 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 crocodiles have this really lithe, um, you know, sort of unjuous uh, movement to them. That's a lot of fun. Like mm-hmm. it does recall their uh, appearance in Fantasia. Mm-hmm. And of course, because it's Disney, they have names or at least one of each does. Uh, but in Fantasia, the lead hippo is named Hyacinth Hippo. And the lead crocodile is Ben Ali Gator. <laughs> so I can say with authority as a resident of Florida, that's a crocodile, y'all. Wait, wait, Ben? Ben Ali Gator. Is the Ben supposed to be anything? I don't think so. So they 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 went with the pun for the middle and last name. <laughs> but then they're like, what how do we I guess his name's Ben. <laughs> so da- Daisy enlists the assistance of the hippos, followed by Minnie summoning the crocs as each tries to outskate the other and do crazier stunts. With Minnie finally donning a blindfold and launching herself Fonzie style over a long row of hippos. <laughs> Hoisted up by the crocodiles. Jump the hippo. I think she does a double jump in midair, which I've only seen Yeah, yeah, she does. But while she clears the row of croc-hoisted hippos, she lands on a stray handbell that fell on the ice and wipes out. Well, Daisy helps up Minnie, and they apologize to each other before uniting for a grand finale, complete with them somehow writing the words Peace on Earth with wave ribbons. Amazing, amazing <laughs> talent. That's the best part. I mean, I've spent way too much time trying to work out the physics of cartoon characters writing full phrases in wave ribbon. But... <laughs> Thankfully, both appear to have the same handwriting, so it worked out. <laughs> I enjoy that Donald and Mickey are um, appropriately distressed by this fight because they know that whoever like loses whoever's significant other loses they're gonna have a bad time that night (laughs) you know what i mean like Like they are they are brothers in arms (laughs) watching this happen knowing that the other is potentially gonna have a really rough time i mean donald's already had yeah, a rough time getting there. Starts off in a bad spot, Rian. Yeah. Which I don't, I, you know, John, I, this speaks to what you're saying. I don't like this characterization of Daisy being sort of this um, pushy, you know, unnecessarily mean girlfriend to Donald. Yeah, yeah. we've seen that before in other places, yeah. but it's I'm not a fan. rare. Well, next we have one of the longer segments starring Huey, Dewey, and Louie. It's called Christmas Impossible. Yeah. And we find Donald's nephews joining him and Daisy for Christmas Eve at Uncle Scrooge's mansion. To start. Yeah. It looks nothing like the DuckTales mansion. Yes. Right. Again, we're not... I, I I do wish that Disney had you know, I don't know, a DuckTales, a Duckiverse Bible, if you will. And it's like, if you're going to draw Scrooge McDuck's mansion, it looks like this. 
Now, I'm not saying it has to be the one from DuckTales, but at least it's always the same one. Right. Be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess to uh, harken back to a previous discussion that we had related to uh, a computer generated activity that includes some mansion like spaces. This totally reminds me of the mansion from Myst, the video game <laughs> that at one time was going to form the basis of an experience yeah. for Discovery Island Discovery. at this world. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> wow. He's like, well, we have this. This is where, this is where those designs went. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we have this Myst artwork. What are we going to do it? Put Uncle yeah. Scrooge in it. With a dollar sign on it. That's his holiday mansion. Maybe that's it. <laughs> but it's oh, still in Duckburg. Once again, another holiday domicile for these ducks. Yes. <laughs> They're loaded. It's good to be related to Uncle Scrooge. Yes, it is. It is very good. Uh, but the nephews immediately get in trouble by taking all of Uncle Scrooge's Christmas cookies. He's not too mad about it, but Donald is. Uh, and Scrooge sits him down and tells him they don't want to end up getting taken off of Santa Claus's nice list, something even he has never been able to buy himself back onto. This is a big <laughs> hole in his heart. <laughs> Did they, have they had dinner at this point in the short? Yes. So I want to, so we mentioned our, on the last episode, with, or I mentioned on the last episode, the, you know, the boys are, are kind of rude during dinner and Donald gets mad and Daisy's like, cut them, cut the boys some slack. You know, they they just love my cooking. Mm-hmm. And in this version, this iteration, the boys, I think all three of them burp. Yeah. And Daisy says to Donald, what do you have to say about that or something like that? You know, she's not pleased. And Donald burps in response to her <laughs> more loudly <laughs> Donald say something well I don't think Daisy's cooking in this one I think Uncle Scrooge is hosting Christmas Eve dinner so she's only good mm. with the bad behavior if it's her dinner yes okay yeah she takes it as a compliment like, gotcha. well, I enjoyed my cooking right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I can go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after a quick self-evaluation, the three decide, well, it's already too late to get on Santa's good list now. The only solution at this point is to express mail ourselves to the North Pole via Frosty Freight, because not even FedEx is that fast. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to assume that time travel is being utilized here. This is in the same passed away, so. <laughs> but in, in the same manner that we've established that Santa travels through time, sure, to to be at above every house at midnight, is that right? Sure. Yep. Um, I'm going to assume this frosty frosty freight is that what it was called? Yes. Um, employs the same technology. There you go. Well, and the driver of frosty freight will be seen in other segments. Throughout this special. <laughs> but now, uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie infiltrate Santa's workshop disguised as elves, by which I mean they put Ugh. on green hats. And yeah. that's it. <laughs> this is where the line of, are you using the tool of 3D animation um, as a tool or as an art form really comes into stark uh, uh, focus because the elves are just terrible looking. They, there's no, <laughs> and there's no like thought of how would, you know, we, the Disney animators render an elf, you know, how, what, what does an elf look like in our universe? There's seemingly, seemingly no, you know, uh, design put into this. They're just like, they're small humans. <laughs> yeah, they all have Midwestern accents. one of them sounds like rob paulson i believe it is definitely rob paulson he's credited as additional voices but he's in there yeah he's in there a few times christmas is ruined (laughs) he's in there and the um i don't know if it's mrs claus or a secretary or something but it's it's edie mcclurk yeah edie mcclurk 
I, I believe it's like a secretary. Okay. Hello? Santa! Now don't you go back to napping. I know when you've been sleeping. I know when you're awake. I mean, if it's Edie McClurg, we can yeah, assume true. it's the secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense now. Uh, but then Santa, appropriately, is portrayed by Chuck McCann, the voice of the Dreamfinder. One little spark. Gorsh. Mm, wow. From the original version of Epcot's Journey into Imagination. Oh, that's right? exciting. Yes. That's However, a nice connection. if I can harp on the animation again, okay. it's a <laughs> terrible rendering of Santa. This is not the best Santa. This is a bad Santa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the year before. <laughs> and so I think on our last episode, we talked about the moral issue of, you know, ducks eating turkey yeah. or ham or whatever. I believe in this short, Santa makes a comment that he smells roast duck. duck. Mm-hmm. And, and that this to me is even more disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> that That he's talking to a duck and talking about how roast duck smells very good. Well, at this point, he's talking to the secretary, but as we'll kind of reveal a little later, Santa plays dumb here, but he knows exactly what's going on. It's yeah. Um, well, what's going on at this point is the nephews are attempting to find Santa's list and add their own names to it. And the room where the list in is locked, the boys locate Santa's list. Uh, so they need to track down the key, and that is in Santa's office where he's taking a nap. So they string up this Mission Impossible, hence the title, style fishing rod pulley, and they lower Louie down to get it. And that's something burns his tail, and that's when Santa smells roasted. Right. Right. <laughs> now in this scenario, it's Christmas Eve night. Santa is portrayed as still getting ready to go. He's getting a quick nap bin before he go. But this ignores time zones completely. Because yeah. I think we established last episode, Duckburg and all the other places are on the west coast of the west United coast. States. <laughs> <laughs> Say they had dinner early and it's 6 o'clock Pacific time by the time uh-huh. the nephews make it to the North Pole. In New Zealand, for example, it's already three in the afternoon on Christmas Day. <laughs> Santa's wow. been out, my dudes. Maybe he takes a break over the like Atlantic Divide. Uh, yeah, you know, like he he does all of the uh, eastern continents, and then takes a little takes his nap. You know, after Christmas Day progresses in Europe, and he gets a few hours of shut eye, and then. Springs right back into it in the Western Hemisphere. Possibly. Makes sense. I don't know. South America kind of juts out there pretty far. East. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how they get you. But the boys manage to stay undetected by Santa as they swipe his key. But again, big asterisk next to undetected here. But uh, yeah. I guess he yeah. lets things play out to see what happens. Uh, and what happens is... The boys try and rush back to the list room with the key, but they bump into a huge assembly line of toys and knock over yeah. a large stack of jailbreak Bob dolls. So, well, and don't they? So they they kind of mess up a bunch of different toy making packaging. They do equipment. It right? starts with knocking down this stack of jailbreak Bob dolls, the talking right. prohibition era mobster doll. Let me out, say. I was framed, see? Uh-oh. See? <laughs> well, each jailbreak Bob comes with its own key, which looks exactly like Santa's key. So while they're looking through all those keys, another elf finds the one that Santa's thinks it's faulty and tosses it inside a box, which goes through the assembly line and gets wrapped and sorted into the big bag of toys. <sighs> And so the ducks decide, well, we're just going to have to unwrap all of these gifts in here to find Santa's key and try to make a breakthrough. And that's how the disarray happened. Okay. Uh, well, what confused me about this is it seems like when everything's operating as it should, mm-hmm. these devices move at a, at a steady but 
you know, manageable pace. Right. And the second some, the second they're like thrown off the track or an item is removed, they go into turbo mode and just like shoot out whatever it is they're packaging or making or whatever. Yeah. At an absurd speed. One small mistake and Christmas is ruined. <laughs> uh, and here's where Santa seems to let on to the audience that he's aware of who's in his workshop and what they're doing because he kind of fake absentmindedly says hey you found my key and he joyfully pries it out of I think Dewey's hand <laughs> and that's when one elf informs Santa that everything is chaos um, and Christmas is ruined Uh, And here's where the nephews realize the error of their ways, not wanting to be responsible for ruining everyone else's Christmas. So they help clean up pretty quickly uh, to Home Alone traveling music, but (laughs) public domain thereof. Uh, (laughs) While everyone celebrates, the boys sneak out of there and they find the list room is now left open by an elf janitor. It's a cool room, too. Yeah, I like, yeah. this, I like this portrayal of Santa's lists here. It's this Did giant, not spend enough. Yeah. It's this giant scroll wound through this large apparatus of spools filling the room. Right. And controlled by a panel of buttons. And they find the button for Duckburg. And <laughs> the that part of the list kind of scrolls to a stop on this flat writing surface area for editing purposes. And they start to write their names and then pause. Mm. And come up with what they deem is a better idea, which we later find out is they wrote down Uncle Scrooge's name. So they still were bad. They were. <laughs> right? Like, like Scrooge McDuck's name is on there, but not, not in a valid manner. No, but Santa tells them via letter on Christmas morning, there's always room on my list for those who think of others first. But but does he does he consider Scrooge to actually be on his good list now? I get, it's on the list. It is so. Yeah, the list is sacred. You can't you can't argue with the list. <laughs> it's like the Goblet of Fire. Santa can't argue with the list. <laughs> Did you put your name on my list? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think I was going there, but here we are. (laughs) The boys mail themselves back in time for Christmas morning, and Uncle Scrooge is delighted to find himself with a gift he's wanted ever since he was a wee lad, bagpipes! Aw, it's hard to believe he couldn't just buy himself some bagpipes. Yeah, I guess it's something he wanted to be gifted. He says, bless me bagpipes, that's what he means. Bless me with some bagpipes. Oh, yeah. Bless me some bagpipes, please. Right. <laughs> if you would. <laughs> please. Uh, but Santa Just was buy nice. buy some yourself. <laughs> Santa was nice to uh, give the nephew some earplugs as kind of a postscript to his letter. Um, mm. That segment was a long one, but... Ugh. It's not, I don't think it's the worst one, but it was bad. It's yeah. a struggle, but I, I think the the hardest part of this for me is that you know if this if this were a standalone uh, feature or yeah. an anthology uh, that just happened to coincide with Christmas and include these characters, I would be okay with the portrayal of Huey, Dewey, and Louie in this short. But we've we've just seen them learn a mm-hmm. lesson. That's right. In the last <laughs> one. Yeah. In Once Upon a Christmas, they they have this sort of reckoning, and I realize in in continuity, you know, six years have gone by or five years have five gone years. by. But but yeah. I think they're younger here. They seem younger. They yeah, they're not as like tall. They have aged. Uh, but yeah, they might might seem younger. I feel like they're they're not far from Ducktales' age here. Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas in Once Upon a Christmas, they seem more, as we said, middle school aged. So you think this is a prequel to... I do. I do. Interesting. (laughs) To add to the complexity (laughs) of how any of 
time works in any of these. <laughs> yeah. We find another shift in the yes. next segment, Christmas Maximus. Uh, this time to Goofy's <laughs> timeline. Last time, his son Max was younger than we have ever seen him before in Goof Train. Right. Now, we're in the middle of Max's first year of college. Yes. And he's traveling <laughs> home for winter break, accompanied by his new girlfriend, Mona, who we've also never seen before, and we yeah. will never see her again. <laughs> but, but she's voiced by Kelly Martin, who was Roxanne in a Goofy movie. So oh. He likes the way a girl sounds. Interesting. <laughs> He has has a voice type. Yeah. (laughs) And Max is once again voiced by his original actor, Jason Marsden. Yeah, yeah. So this I I think this is the worst one of the five. Uh, Well, and it's Um, also the shortest. Yes, but feels the longest. Oh yeah. Because of because of this inane song. That yes. plays through. <laughs> so it's mostly contained within a song called Make Me Look Good, which is just peak 2004 Disney Channel boy pop. Make me look good. Make me shine. If you make it's, it, it's such a weird premise for a song. He's, it's sung to Goofy because he doesn't yeah. want his dad embarrassing him. His grown yeah. son in front of his son's new girlfriend. So, and he, I think he says, "Make me look good, Dad." In the in the song, right? Like he actually, it's not only is it sung to Goofy, but you could sing this to your dad if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I got some new plans for Christmas All this right, year. Bob. <laughs> because he does say he's, they, the singer says something like, "Make me look good, Dad." I don't know. It's it's very bad. <laughs> now, did either of your dads embarrass you this much in front of a girl? Um, no. no. I don't it, think so. I didn't bring many girls in front of my dad. <laughs> oh. Not because he would embarrass me, but because I just didn't bring many girls around. Right. <laughs> my parents went pretty easy on me in that respect, but I am absolutely going to end up being goofy dad when my kids become teenagers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the, the benefits of parenthood, right? Is right. One would hope. If I'm yeah. being honest with myself, I'm already there. Yeah. But my <laughs> oldest is eight and she's not bringing home any boys. <laughs> that's that that's her assessment <laughs> but because i answered because someone was saying someone in school said i had a crush on this boy well do you no <laughs> all right well, you're safe for now crack the knuckles yeah <laughs> <laughs> so at one point max gets so embarrassed he has to take a walk in the snow and Goofy implores him to at least take a scarf, which Max realizes his dad made for him. Oh, uh, yeah. Remembers, his father's Goofy, and Goofy's got a Goofy. So yeah, he comes back just as dad and Mona are making popcorn. First off, shout out to Mona here for not letting her moody, self-conscious boyfriend ruin a good time. Mona's great. Yeah, yeah. Mona she likes says anything, but... Yeah, but she's, it. like, totally cool with Goofy, yeah. right? Doesn't she call doesn't. out Max on one hand, but on the other hand, she might have just decided she doesn't have time for any of that. And just yeah. go take a walk and work out this <laughs> nonsense on your own. I, You know, you pointed something out, Mike, that I didn't know. Is like, what a mature young lady to not let Max's sour mood, yeah. you know, mess up this time with his family. Good on Mona. And Max comes back and she's just, hey, we're making popcorn. Come on in. Yeah. Yeah. And Goofy, a man after my own heart, overloads the air popper. Firm <laughs> member of Team Air Popper, by the way. <laughs> Get that microwave bag garbage away from it. Goofy overloads it so much that the massive amount of popcorn pushes all three of them up the chimney right. in a geyser of popcorn. I have to assume that this sequence is a reference to the conclusion of Real Genius. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's it I didn't make that connection well done 
Uh, but here Mona can't, can't contain her joy anymore, and her laughter reveals to Max, oh, hey, you have the same kind of teeth as my dad. Mm. <laughs> this is not what I think they were going for. But just, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Snow angels I... and popcorn on the roof is on my bucket list. <laughs> my popcorn bucket list. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't the song take a turn also it goes a little higher you made me look good you did it you yeah did you it, made dad. me look yeah, good dad. Like and, yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> the song it's rough it is, it is rough, rough but yeah but mercifully quickly, short yes yeah uh, and next we have another short one donald's gift this, this one, one is my favorite. Yeah, this is great. This oh, one's really good. Make it three. Which? Uh, oh wait, no, you like Bells on Ice the best. I think I do like Bells on Ice yeah, the best, no, but this one is this my is favorite. Close second. It follows Donald on his quest to find a quiet place to drink a cup of hot chocolate, all while trying to avoid the earworm that is "We Wish You a Merry Christmas," following him and burrowing itself into his ducky skull. <laughs> driving him to insanity as he hears it everywhere throughout the mall. But I mean, I feel like we can all relate to this. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I've At been least... going to the mall lately. But <laughs> as people begin prepping, prepping for Christmas earlier and earlier, that earworm starts to work its way in earlier and earlier. <laughs> but at least they're not finishing it with jingle bells. No, no they're not. Medley. No. Daisy here again has that same attitude. Well, it, this is my favorite part. As soon as Donald gets home and sits down and tries to relax, Daisy and the nephews burst in. And Daisy tells him, come on, we're going shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a better Daisy, though. It is a better Daisy. Yeah. Because she's got to put up with Donald. Because Donald yeah. stupidly tries to bark back, nope, I'm staying here and drinking this hot chocolate. And then... It goes back and forth until Donald decides going whack, whack, whack at his girlfriend oh, is a good man. idea. And that <laughs> yeah. will absolutely win an argument. Don't be such a big old grump. <laughs> Christmas is the time to be with family and friends and the people who love you. Come on. You go. I'll stay. Stop being so selfish. Whack, whack, whack. Oh. I'm not going on Black Friday. Hmm. Don't dawdle, Donald. <laughs> and then we cut immediately to the mall. I love that punchline. Yeah. You know, I just, I realized that um, in both of the shorts where Daisy features, mm -hmm. another character quacks at her. Because in Bells on Ice, oh, it's Minnie, um, Minnie kind of does a little like flourish with her crocodiles. Yeah. And then as like a diss on Daisy goes quack quack <laughs> as she skates <laughs> around her. That. And then it's yeah. Daisy who later comes back and goes squeak squeak. Squeak squeak. A noise <laughs> neither Mickey nor Minnie has ever made. In the mall, I need to bring up a character we mentioned previously uh, driving the Frosty Freight. <laughs> and he winds his way through most of this special, but he's he's makes himself known here. It's the unnamed Grumpy Dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he here spills his hot chocolate on himself twice. Yeah, both times because Louie bumps into him, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Louie both times. But oh, I'm sorry. It's got hot chocolate. Very hot. And on Max's train home, he's there too. And Max spills a drink on him while the train. Oh, does he? Yes. Oh, this guy's man. And then he shows up later in the Mickey segment. But Grumpy Dog is Grumpy Dog's the Stanley of the Mickey Mouse universe. <laughs> 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 Mr. Stan. <laughs> well, Donald finally gets his hot chocolate, but at this point, he hears "We wish you a Merry Christmas" in every noise at the mall. Yeah, this is really clever. It's really it, clever how they make yeah. it all work. Yeah, it's in the clinking of change, it's yeah. in the hot chocolate maker itself, and the steam, and other yeah. random noises throughout the place. Uh, 
and he just can't take it anymore, and he finally finds a quiet, dark place to hide and drink in peace. But no, it's a large, black-lit display that accidentally turns on, and it plays <laughs> We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Mm, yes. Mere moments before it's unveiling to the mall crowd. <laughs> They said it's a window display, but it's in the middle of the mall. I'm not sure how that works. It's a Mousy's window display. Yes, but it's not in front uh, of Mousy's. They just kind of, I don't know if they're going to pick it up and install it later. Right. (laughs) It looks like where you would go to see a mall performance, like a traveling show or something. Yeah. 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 Like Tiffany. Or Debbie Gibson. But by the time of the big reveal, Donald has thoroughly destroyed all the moving pieces of it, including strangling and throttling an animatronic Santa in front of a shocked crowd. This is a classic Donald. Yes. Yes. Yeah, one of his finest moments. Yes. Really. Yeah. So he gets thrown out of the mall, and all the security guard says to him is, where's your Christmas spirit? Not, you're under arrest for vandalism. Not, you're going to pay for the big expensive display you've just ruined. Just stop being a Grinch. You're not allowed in the mall today. Got off easy. Yeah. Donald sulks home in the snow. And he comes across a group of carolers trying to sing, what else? We wish you a Merry Christmas. But they're off key and fighting with each other. So at this point, Mm. Donald admits defeat and stops running from the song and says, look, if you're going to drive this song through my brain, you're going to get it right. I'll start. We wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy And that's how we end this short segment. He conducts his tiny choir like he was born to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this it's kind of like, um, I, mean, I don't have any siblings, but I, I hear this sentiment a lot where, you know, you can like, I can pick on my uh, sibling, but you can't pick on my sibling. Right. So it's almost yeah. like he, he, you know, this, this song is his nemesis. Yeah. But he's not going to let anybody else uh, defeat this song. <laughs> he's going to be the one to defeat it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not today. There we go. I like that analogy. Well done. Uh, <laughs> but everybody comes out and sees this rousing performance, and all is forgiven. This, I, if I had one uh, criticism of this short, it's mm-hmm. the resolution is a little too simple. Yeah. I think I would have liked something more to either Donald. Like, Donald just essentially gets worn down. That's yeah. that's how he resolves it, and yeah. uh, I would have liked him to I don't know learn a lesson or or be <laughs> I, I I don't know it's it's just yeah I think it ends too quickly yeah chopped for time because our final segment is another long one it's Mickey's doggone Christmas yeah depicting Mickey Mouse as an insufferable perfectionist who over-decorates for Christmas and gets impatient with his dog. Just the way Walt would have wanted. <laughs> this one's hard to watch for, like, the other reasons. It's not, you know, necessarily a poorly done short, but, I mean, I feel like Pluto is constantly uh, victimized. Mm-hmm. And In this short or overall? Oh, just overall. Yeah. Mm. You know, and, but, but, and, and so I guess it's having it take place as the, the culmination of this, uh, anthology 
you know, I, I, I feel like I'm already, I've, I've been through some emotional shifts. I'm in a vulnerable <laughs> spot. And so you just show me Pluto being subjected once again to Mickey's <laughs> irrational wrath. I yeah. take it right to heart. Haven't you done enough already? Go to your doghouse. I mean it, Pluto. Get out and stay out. Man's best. In Mickey's defense, Pluto gets impatient. All he wants to do is put the star on top of the Christmas tree, and Mickey tells him, just wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, tells the the dog. But Pluto can't help himself, and he tries to climb the tree to do it himself. And knocks a bowl of eggnog onto the power strip, breaking all of the (laughs) lights. So, I mean, why was that eggnog out? Yeah, that's your own fault, Mickey. Try to do too much at once, and then... it's The party wasn't for a while, so... The eggnog needed to stay refrigerated. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey gets upset and kicks Pluto out of the house. And Pluto gets so upset, he decides to take off his dog collar and run away from home. So yeah. he hops a passing train and very quickly ends up at the North Pole. <laughs> a perfectly lit in December North Pole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's details. <laughs> <laughs> Pluto meets Santa's reindeer, particularly Donner, voiced by Jeff Bennett, who mm-hmm. convinces the de facto mm-hmm. leader of the reindeer Blitzen, who's Jim Cummings here doing his Darkwing Duck voice. Yeah. To adopt oh. Pluto, whom they dub Murray. Brace yourself for genius. There can only be one name for this dog. Want to hear it? No. Murray. Oh. Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Murray Christmas. Oh, my head. <laughs> Donner's got jokes, we find. We don't really hear much from the other reindeer, so it's just no. Blitzen. Being well, the there's like one of the reindeer. reindeer's kind of heavier, isn't he? Remember now, easy on the grub. We've all read the story. We're supposed to be a tiny reindeer. What? Looked like it. Like Blitzen has sort of the drill sergeant yeah, he's sort of physique beefcake. to him, and Donner's kind of lanky and jokey. Yeah. I do wish they had gotten more into the personalities of the other reindeer. Yeah. Yeah, there's an opportunity there that's missed. Yeah. I I also feel like there was a Rudolph opportunity for Pluto in this instance, not just to be a dog, but but some kind of, you know, sub in for Rudolph. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would have been perfect. It really would have. Yeah. So more weird animal things, right? Like <laughs> you've got a <laughs> poor Pluto's at the bottom of every chain, right? But, uh, mm-hmm. The you've got animals who wear clothes and walk and talk and mm-hmm. have jobs. You have animals who wear shirts and no pants. <laughs> And who don't speak as well as the other animals, but still hold really the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, that's the sweet spot. <laughs> you have, uh, and then there seems to be a tier between, you know, the the Mickey's of the world and the standard animal. There's just the you know work animal that can talk and ha- and can own a pet, <laughs> but is still. Walking on four legs, not wearing clothes, and that's the reindeer. It's Santa's reindeer. Yeah. So. Is it just because they're like magical reindeer, yeah. or like enchanted reindeer? Well, I don't know if the reindeer are enchanted because we find out that it's the collars that make them fly. That's how Pluto learns Good to point. fly. That's right. But that's they are right. talking. They are hyper intelligent in some way. Yeah. So maybe their kids will start wearing clothes. Ooh, could be. It could be a generational thing. Every, <laughs> every generation becomes more and more enlightened. Yeah. All right. But, uh, well, Mickey has gone back to buy another large pile of decorations because he's Mickey Mouse. Of course, he's going to spend frivolously to decorate. Now, it, previously, Mickey couldn't afford the gold necklace for Minnie's right. 
gift, but now he seems to have come into a windfall. Well, I mean, this is the height of the housing bubble, so I imagine sure he's is. like, he's he's flipped a few houses. Yeah. He's he's feeling really good. <laughs> <laughs> but Dummy tries to drive through a low bridge, and it all falls off his car and gets run over by a snowplow. So he concedes to setting up a nice, simple display and is about to top off the tree when he realizes, oh, yeah, Pluto's still out in the doghouse. Yeah, in that snow. Mm. Yeah, well, but at least he's not in the least tethered to a pole. But But no, he's not in the doghouse. So Mickey stops everything, calls up Minnie, gets everyone to start looking for him. He hands out posters including one to hot beverage magnet Grumpy Dog, who just crumples it up and throws it at Mickey's feet. Well, now you deserve it. Literally. (laughs) Mickey even goes to ask for help getting Pluto back to a department store Santa, who, spoiler, is actual Santa. Right. Um, Which is in tow with the company line that there's only one Mickey Mouse. That's one of the first things cast members learn in their traditions orientation. So, of course, it's the real Santa. <laughs> so, can you unpack that a bit for me? There's only one Mickey Mouse, which is to say, in the theme parks, is this what you're, you're saying? That yes. the Mickey you see, that's one Mickey. Yes, that's the company line. There is one it's... Mickey Mouse. You will never see more than one. I think down to the level of in the Utilidors, they might even treat their costumes a certain way. So mm-hmm. they're not grouped together. I think. I'm not sure on that because I have never been a cast member. But I have I've also heard um, on, a, on another podcast which uh, called Hidden Mickeys mm. um, where they, I think this is on that podcast, they interviewed... Uh, woman who had been a Disney princess at the parks and the company line for princesses is the princess you meet in the parks. That's the real princess. So if you meet, you know, bell, that's bell and bell in the movie beauty and the beast, that's an actress playing bell. Oh, I didn't Mm. didn't know that part. So, you know, if a kid is like, well, you don't look like bell. That Bell says, "Well, that was an actress playing me in that movie." It's a movie. Nice. Oh. Yeah. That makes so much sense now. When you have the actual actresses come out in events, like you'll have you'll have Paige O'Hara come to Disney World and have her picture taken with Bell. Okay. The real Bell. Yes. Yeah. Now, where does this figure in with Wreck It Ralph two, where we see <laughs> the Disney princesses? hanging out as like normal quote-unquote people i don't know we will find out we'll probably know by the time this drops (laughs) (laughs) back at the north pole we at first we see pluto having a ball and he's playing with christmas ornaments and donner tells him hey murray what do you think those ornaments grow on trees well, they do! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that never gets on. <laughs> that was a good gag. I liked that. That was. And they let him put on the magical reindeer collar. Uh, no special reindeer food or whatever makes him, makes him fly. <laughs> do either of you put out food for the reindeer to accompany Santa's cookies and milk? Never did that. I, and I no. heard much later in life that some people put out reindeer food. Yeah, I had never heard of that, but then my wife got some sparkly reindeer food one year. And yeah. It's just it's oatmeal and sugar and glitter you sparkle outside on the lawn or whatever. So I have a friend who um, goes so far as to leave reindeer poop in the <laughs> in the yard. Oh, Is it marshmallows? Because I've seen I forget I know I mean Oh wait, no 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 no. The marshmallows are ghost poop for Halloween, excuse me. (laughs) That's a thing. Amazing. That's fantastic. Oh man. I don't know what he makes the poop out of. (laughs) Oh dear. But I mean that's to me next level. Yeah. (laughs) We won't put an elf on our shelf, but we'll feed a reindeer glitter. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, during Pluto's first flight, he begins getting homesick because he starts seeing hidden Mickeys in the clouds and everywhere else. <laughs> Same Pluto. Yes, it's an affliction it. and it's incurable once caught. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, in walks Santa into the reindeer's pen, into their stable, with a store photo of him and Mickey and tells Pluto he's out looking for him because he misses him. And he and the reindeer offer to drop Pluto off at home on Santa's sleigh. So he gets to ride with the pack. And here's where we could have used that Rudolph gag. But right? nothing. This is another one that's resolved just very quickly. Pluto and Mickey yeah. are reunited before they're scooped up by an out-of-control snowplow, which is driven by Goofy, because Uncle Scrooge bought it to help search for Pluto, so they bring everybody back together at the end to do the same carol medley that ends awkwardly with the, with it, we wish in a happy new year into Deck the Halls and the Jingle Bells. What yeah. a weird uh, carryover. If, right. you, if, if you have to have anything connecting these two directly, what a strange thing yes. to lean on. Very odd. To do it. We know We know how I feel about this. <laughs> we do. If you haven't heard it, you can go back and listen to it. But Any final thoughts on Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas? Um, overall, not to me, not as good as Once Upon a Christmas. Agreed. Um, I think they made the classic mistake of going for quantity over quality. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you cut, you cut Christmas Impossible, you cut Christmas Maximus, you retool Doggone Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. And you keep Donald's gift and bells on ice as they are for the most part. There you go. And then you have a much better, like put your effort into those three and you've got a much better uh, overall feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the glaring problem with this is that you have two stories that are both North Pole centric mm-hmm. um, or at least, you know, partially North Pole centric. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and then they're really not that far apart from each other. Yeah. So it's. Uh, if if they had made those kind of bookends, if we had started off in the North Pole mm-hmm. and then also ended in the North Pole and there had been some cohesiveness there, I could yeah. maybe see it. But as it stands, I just think this is a little bit lazy. I've already been to the North Pole once this <laughs> yeah. special. I really don't want to go back. So uh, the, the North Pole we see in this one is better than yeah. the Christmas Impossible one. Yeah, I would prefer this North Pole. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The other one's very business-like. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not yet. Yeah. And the only thing tying any of this together is a dog that gets hot liquid spilled on him. And <laughs> we also never see again that poor dog. Too many. Well, he died. Birds. He died of his wounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Tragically. Well. <laughs> And Louis in jail for manslaughter. Oh man! <laughs> On future note, future Louis with a tiny head. And a yeah, that's right. And he, then he's in league with the Beagle Boys. He spends too much time in jail. There he is, Robin Pete's house. We brought it back. <laughs> well, if people want to make snow angels and popcorn on your roof. They should head to thearchive.com, but where else yes. can they find you on the internet, Drew? Um, you can find me. <clears throat> All right, I couldn't remember last time on Instagram, and I think I'm Pizza Not Go. No, am I Go Pizza Not, John? I think you're Go Pizza Not remember? on Twitter. You're Go Pizza Not. Go Pizza Not at, on, at, on Instagram. Okay, and you are and Pizza Not Go on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> no, I was mixed up. Yeah. And you can see uh, 
Uh, I don't post much lately, but uh, I do post art and stuff like that. And John. Well, if you're looking uh, to find someone slavishly defending uh, Mickey's Philhar magic, uh, <laughs> I will. You can go to at uh, John Dedeke on Twitter or at uh, John Dedeke on Instagram. And we are at adventcalendar.house on the web and at adventcalhouse on Twitter. Thank you both for coming back on. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah, This was a great little double episode to have you both on. Uh, And with that, for Drew Crowley and John Dedeke from inside the world's largest backlit Christmas music box mall display. (laughs) Watch out for that icing. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hi everyone, Dwayne Bailey here from the Tinsel Tunes Podcast. Did you know Silent Night is the most recorded holiday song of all time? Over 137,000 times and counting. Come join us each month as I dive into Christmas music and reveal lots of interesting facts like that. Also, learn about your old favourites, as well as getting a heads up for the new music each season. We're on all the podcast networks like iTunes, Stitcher and Google Podcasts. Check out our website, tinseltunes.com, for all the links as well as our socials. I look forward to seeing you all soon. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... It's Christmas in the